Every Christmas Eve, our family watches It's a Wonderful Life. I'm sure most of you have watched it at one time or another. For the few that haven't, it has a pretty dark premise, despite the quirky angel Clarence. It is Christmas Eve, and George Bailey has been brought to financial ruin and faces prison for embezzlement due to the machinations of the bullying banker, the old man Potter. Feeling that he has run out of options, George heads to a bridge to end his own life. George has for years been fighting a losing battle against Potter to make Bedford Falls a more equitable place. On this particular Christmas Eve, as his world crashes around him, George comes to the conclusion that his work to make Bedford Falls more just has been in vain. And more distressingly, he begins to believe that his stubborn commitment to his principles, his dogged faithfulness, and his consistent pattern of doing the right thing, even when it is difficult or against his own self-interest, has resulted in active harm to his family and his beloved wife, Mary. In deep cynicism, he determines it would have been better to have lived a life of self-interested acquisition. The plot of It's a Wonderful Life turns on a miracle. The angel Clarence gives George a chance to see the true impact of his life on other people. He is shown an alternative present where he witnesses how very much worse Bedford Falls would have been if it hadn't been for him waging his seemingly fruitless, ineffectual campaign to check the greed and devious ploys of Potter. He also sees that his little acts of courage and compassion have literally rendered life and joy possible for other people. Advent is a season in the Christian calendar centered on the virtue of hope. Hope is a cardinal virtue. Now, we Anabaptists in general don't spend a lot of time cataloging and defining virtues. This is more the domain of our Catholic siblings. They name hope, along with faith and charity or love, as one of the cardinal virtues. Cardinal, because it is a core virtue, a virtue that makes other virtues possible, but also because hope and faith and love are virtues that are understood to be given by God. Their acquisition is not a result of our habits or our willpower. Hope is God's gift to us and not our gift or offering to God. Now, I've never had a very firm grasp on the difference between faith and hope. But my understanding is that faith is meant to be a present, more active or existential virtue. Faith is an active trust in God right now right in this moment of confusion or despair. Hope is more future-oriented. To hope is to look at a troubling situation, and as my wise friend Shelley notes, to affirm something like, I don't know how, but I believe there will be goodness, possibility, and life in this situation for me. Or in the words of the psalmist, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
I struggle with hope sometimes as a Christian virtue because I have been trained to think of hope as mainly dependent on God's capacity to control history. We hope in God's providence and God's power. And I think if we're not careful, this version of hope premised on God's ultimate plan can be employed in a way that delegitimates present suffering. We've all experienced it. Words like everything will be all right in the end or God has a plan here or you'll understand it better later. Even if these words are true, they turn our attention, I think, away from the God that we know in Jesus Christ, a God who is very present in our suffering, a God who never pretends that suffering and sadness and pain and grief are not real, a vision of hope that's too focused on God's control over history and God's plan often downplays the beauty and the drama and the pathos and the sanctity of each individual life in favor of neat conclusions. When the angel Clarence comes to George, he doesn't ask him to trust that there is a plan where everything works out. Instead, he gives him a very special gift, a chance to see the effects of all of his little acts of integrity and faithfulness and <coughs> compassion and friendship and solidarity. Clarence gives George a chance to see the cumulative impact of his life, a life lived not in pursuit of a master plan, but instead he shows George the cumulative effect of a life where George Bailey faced each new challenge and setback by doggedly doing the next right thing. None of us will be gifted like George with a clear vision of our actual impact in this world nor will we be given a vision of the future. If a human life occurs as a great drama, the irony is that we do not know the plot or the denouement. We do not know whether the action is falling or rising. We do not know whether we are a minor or a major character, and we do not know the end. We will very frequently never know whether our actions mattered. So what do we do? Well, I think the best course of action is to live a life like George did. Live every moment according to the values that we cherish. Responding to each new challenge with dogged faithfulness. Don't get fixated on outcomes, lest we, like George, become discouraged or overwhelmed. I think that this is the posture of Christian hope. We cannot engineer the outcomes that we hope to achieve. We cannot control the world. We do not know which levers move history. And this is unnerving, and so we grab all the more violently for control. We see this playing out in the global spaces. I just saw a post on Facebook from a childhood friend noting that we have to defend Israel tooth and nail so that we can ensure that Jesus can return to the Mount of Olives and go through the Eastern Gate. We see this playing out on a family level. We want our children to succeed in ways that we didn't, and so we prod and we pressure. And this plays out on a personal level, where we judge ourselves, like George, 
and the meaning of our lives by the standards of prosperity and success that if we are honest, we know that we would only be able to achieve if we were willing to sell our very precious souls. In my mind, nothing is lost is a deep expression of Christian hope. The song we'll sing next. To live in hope is to trust that we don't have the necessary perspective to judge whether what we are doing is effective or not. That all we can do is name what is good and true and precious and do our best to honor these things. To live in hope is to trust that God is not going to allow our precious acts of love or sacrifice or service to count for nothing. To live in hope is not to play around. There are real inscrutable tragedies in this life. So let's not pretend that we can make sense of them. But we can hope in a God who is consistently doing the work of gathering and recreating so that we can affirm our hope that nothing is lost to the heart of God. No impulse of love or office of care no moment of life in its fullness. All of this is gathered and known in God's goodness.